Big stories this week on the passing of one of the co-founders of Burning Man, who passed this week. Also, Boy Scouts are passing on the name Boy from now on, and the National Guard had a severe accident where a plane crashed near Savannah Airport. We had that happen this week, but those stories as large as they were, and there were some very large ones this week, not high enough to reach into the top 10 for you as you decided in the social media. So, which stories are in the tops? We'll find out in just a moment on the weekly wrap-up countdown from This Is Conversation for the week ending May the 5th, 2018. And welcome to the show. My name is Jay Cleveland Payne, your host for the weekly wrap-up. And every week we go wire-to-wire, seven-ish days, or eight-and-a-half-ish days, or something like that, from a Friday to a Friday, going over the stories that we post on social media attached to the main website, thisisaconversation.com, where the best people in conversation are having the best conversations on all the news, not just what's stuck on the chirons by the headline news people. So how does this work? It's very simple. All week long, if you follow us on Twitter or Facebook, Twitter, our handle is TH underscore conversation. And on Facebook, look for This is a Conversation. You can see what's going on because we post every hour or so a brand new story from somewhere. It's credible news sources and links to the sources so you can read the story on your own. What you do, if you find a story that you like, a story that you connect with, a story that you think is important, you interact with it somehow. You like it. You love it. You share it. You reply to it. You do some sort of interaction with the actual story link in the social media. And at the end of the week, we tally all the interactions together, put them in a big spreadsheet. Math is happening. Things are shuffled. And we give you the top 10 and a big listing all the way down to the almost irrelevant, the story that's at the low end of the countdown. And that's at 120 this week, 120 distinct separate stories links posted for the past seven-ish, seven and a half days. We'll offer them up Casey Kasem style, 10 to 1, counting down the hits uh, as top to bottom or bottom to top, if you will, uh, for the first segment. And today we have a very, very special get. We're given a chance to play the brackets again. We'll have an interview segment with a good friend of mine. Her name is Amber Glaze. She's a funny woman. And in fact, she's a comedian and a radio host here in the city. And I want to get a chance to talk about the White House Correspondents' Dinner, because even though it's a week old, I want to get the perspective from someone who can really give me the insight on what she was thinking, and that is an actual female comedian who may or may not have her own issues with the guy in charge of the country. So we'll have that in the second segment, and we'll sneak in some housekeeping somewhere here or there, because that's where we've been doing housekeeping for a while. Of course, in the final segment, we'll talk about that final story, 120, and finish out the top 15 and get in as many headlines as we can as we round out the time. Of course, as we said, to be a part of the action, just follow us on social media. TH underscore conversation is for Twitter, and look for This is a Conversation on Facebook and interact with the stories as they come by so we know which ones are the tops. Now, let's get ahead with the countdown this week, starting off with our story listed at number 10. Headline for number 10, Capitals Tom Wilson dials up hate would hit that breaks jaw of Penguin Zach Ashton Reese. This was posted on Wednesday, May the 2nd, and the story was updated slightly from when we got it. But let's get the quick details on that. The NHL, National Hockey League, is in its playoff season right now, and currently the Washington Capitals are playing against the Pittsburgh Penguins. At least as far as I know, they're still playing. I'm not a big hockey fan and only catch these things in bits and pieces, and this was a pretty big bit to catch in the pieces got really ugly really early so here's the deal with the guy people hate the guy because he's a dirty player which his teammates are cool with that because he's on their side but people to play against him 
not quite as cool. From the story we pulled from USA Today, I'm going to read the first couple paragraphs. Washington Capitals forward Tom Wilson continues to be the most despised man in Pittsburgh. In game two in Washington, Wilson knocked Pittsburgh defenseman Brian Dillamon out of the game in the second period with a hit to the head. He didn't receive a penalty on the play and wasn't suspended, presumably because Dillamon turned his head after Wilson had started the hit. Those are kind of the informal rules of hockey. Some of these rough things are allowed in certain conditions. It gets worse, though. The second period of Game 3 in Pittsburgh, Tuesday night, Wilson crushed Zach Ashton Reese with a shoulder-to-head hit that left his Penguins player left the Penguins player with a broken jaw and a concussion. Again, no penalty on the play against Ashton Reese, who will need surgery, was bleeding on the ice and threw his gloves toward the Washington bench. There you go. Moving on, the number nine story this week, and we're staying sports. A lot of sports going on and a lot of weird stuff towards the end. We'll talk about that when we get a little closer to the top. But this one goes to the NFL draft. We posted on Saturday, April 28th, and this one is a jump in response from the 10 of 24.85%. And that's going to be a theme, a lot of big jumps this week, a lot of big interaction we'll talk about. The number nine story is, Shaquem Griffin, drafted by Seahawks, becomes first one-handed player picked in an NFL draft modern era. Story source, this one is also from USA Today. Let me go ahead and read you a few paragraphs from this story. Shaquem Griffin had to wait until the third day of the NFL draft to hear his name called, but his historic achievement led back to a special connection. The Central Florida linebacker was selected by the Seattle Seahawks in the fifth round Saturday, becoming the first one-handed player to be drafted in the modern era. He will play alongside his twin brother, Shaquille Griffin, who was third-round draft pick of the team last year and started 11 games as quarterback. So the Griffin brothers are playing back together. This is a pretty big deal. Shaquille Griffin has done a lot uh, for football and just for showing people that if you have a disability, it can be overcome. He was a man who literally knocked out LSU in a bat, in a football game uh, this past season, uh, allowing the team to be the butt of jokes being beaten by a one-armed man in football. He also went to the NFL Combine, did all the physical stuff that normal people can do, and had a special attachment put onto the bar so he can place his hand that didn't have a hand or his arm without a hand and lift and did a phenomenal job in the bench press. Of course, we'll see how well he does when he makes it to the big leagues and what adjustments that can be done to make things work. And he gets the up on this to be drafted by the same team that drafted his brother. So he has a head start in getting his head in the game and getting some love from the team. And he's going to be a whole lot of fun to watch. And then we are guessing that uh, Griffin jerseys, one of the two, will be the top-selling jerseys, especially on the rookie end for the upcoming season. Everybody excited to see him hit the field. Let's move to the headline for the number eight story. Court upholds Texas law and another big voter ID ruling. This one posted also on Saturday, April 28th. This one gets a bumper response from the nine story of 10.92%. Source link for this one is the Fox News website. Let's read a couple paragraphs from the story. Texas voter ID law was twice blocked over findings of discrimination can stay in effect for the 2018 elections, U.S. Appeals Court ruled Friday. It was the second major ruling over voting rights in the U.S. this week after Arkansas judge on Thursday blocked the state's voter ID measure as unconstitutional. But in a 2-1 decision by the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans, the Texas law that critics have slammed as one of the toughest voter ID measures in the nation was seen as a suitable replacement for the original 2011 law that a federal judge had likened to a, quote, poll tax on minority voters. The biggest change to the Texas law, which accepts handgun license as sufficient identification to vote, but not college student IDs, 
is that voters without any acceptable photo ID can still cast a ballot so long as they can sign an affidavit. Opponents at a federal judge in Texas balked at the revisions, saying criminal penalties tied to lying on the affidavit could have chilling effects on voters. So there you have that one. Law overturned. Looks like they'll have this voter ID law. So says the court, unless something happens from now and the end of the year for voting. But one of the toughest laws on the books is now official, or at least still standing as official, for Texas and voter ID issues. Let's move to number seven story for this week. Tiger Cub abandoned in duffel bag at U.S.-Mexico border. This story posted on Tuesday the 1st. It, get a bumps, it gets a bump response, pardon my um, grammar there, of 21.23% from the eight story. And here are the details of this very odd story. Our story source of this comes from the BBC, but it was a pretty big story across the world when it came out. Of course, we have been following here in the States the caravan of um, refugees. It's the only way to really say what they really are. Uh, coming up through Central America, making their way to the U.S. border this week, as Donald Trump has been kind of railing on the fact that they should be a lot of things done to him. This is not exactly about the caravan. This is about a tiger found by other people trying to cross over. Here are some story details from the BBC write-up. U.S. Border Patrol agents found a tiger cub in a bag abandoned by individuals trying to illegally enter the country at the Texas border, officials say. The male tiger cub was unconscious inside a black duffel bag, according to a statement from the U.S. Customs and Border Protection. When the individuals realized that agents were nearby, they fled back to Mexico, leaving the cub behind in their escape. The cub, only several months old, is now in the care of a local zoo. Brownsville, Texas, border officials have been ready to intercept the group, but discovered the young tiger instead. Quote from Irma Chapa, a communications director for the Rio Grande Valley Border Patrol, not an average day in the field. There you go. That's pretty. Um, that's a pretty solid statement on that find right there. Let's move to number six story for this week. The headline, playing football young may mean earlier cognitive emotional problems. This posted on Tuesday as well, Tuesday the 1st, just in case you know that. And this is where things get weird, and we'll explain it in a bit. 277% jump from the number seven story. And yes, the jumps get even higher and even weirder from here. From the source details, source materials, and that being the CNN.com website, sports may be a great way to keep kids active, but a new study of players finds that the earlier players with CTE started tackle football, the more vulnerable they were to emotional and cognitive problems. Researchers from the Boston University School of Medicine and VA Boston Healthcare System studied nearly 250 football players, of whom 211 were diagnosed with CTE after their death. CTE, or chronic traumatic enthropocy, I always mess it up, is a degenerative brain disease that often starts after repeated head trauma. Earlier studies have shown that the brain may change even after one hard hit. Many football players have donated their brains to give researchers a chance to better understand this Alzheimer's-like disease, which has been most commonly associated with former professional football players. Researchers are working on finding indicators that will help detect CTE in the living, but currently the only way to diagnose it is with an autopsy. So that's the details from that. And, of course, the study that they're finding, going deep into the article, says that what they're basically finding is the earlier you get into football, the better your chances of getting CTE, having those issues, and just having weird emotional problems in dealing with that. That's one reason why many, many people who love the game now and love the game as a kid 
are not allowing the kids to play American football. I say that because we have a kind of an international audience here all over the world, a lot of responses. You'll see from some of the things popping up in a bit. And because of that, you have to kind of distinguish football from football. But that's a very sad story that finding that younger players, younger football players, are basically getting hit in the head earlier in the game, if you will, and that's leading to earlier cognitive and emotional problems in their later lives. Number five story this week, mass firing at conservative site Red State. Bump a response of 1.58%, and this one also posted on Tuesday, May the 1st. This story also sourced out to CNN.com, written by Brian Stelzer, their big media analyst. And here are some of the details. Salem Medium, owner of the influential conservative outlet Red State, froze the site on Friday and dismissed many of its writers. Bloggers were locked out of their accounts, some just temporarily, while the cuts were made and others permanent. Eric Erickson, the site's longtime editor who left in 2015, tweeted about what he called the mass firing on Friday morning. Very sad to see, but not surprising given Salem's direction, he wrote. And finally, after all these years, they've turned off my account. Multiple sources at CNN told CNN Money that they believe conservative critics of President Trump were the writers targeted by removal. So Red State, which is a big source of news and information for people on the red side of the states, uh, those are conservatives. Some of them, well, you know, when you have a certain person in, part, in, in charge, everyone can't be happy, even everyone on your side. And Red State has been known to call out President Trump on various things. Salem Media being a big backer overall of President Trump, essentially, it looks like, allegedly, they're freezing out the writers uh, that were the most most critical of the current U.S. president. Nothing can be said that that's no real proof other than just kind of watching it, but that's what we get a chance to see from uh, that writing uh, that write-up and what happened this week. So where there will be less of a diverse knowledge, diverse voice in the red side for the upcoming months, we will find out. Probably not, because it probably won't change very much in the way things are covered. But we'll see if Red State or others or other independent conservative outlets are going to be able to have the power they have. Sticking with CNN as a source, as we go to the next story, headline, killing Chicago killings and shootings drop for 14 consecutive month. This coming with a bump of response from the five story to the four of 11.01%. As we said, uh, the source of this is also from CNN. Let me read you a few, art, a few lines from the article. Chicago's decline in killings and shootings continue for the 14th consecutive month, according to crime figures released Tuesday. It is a remarkable drop in the city's long plagued by gun violence. In April, there were 29% fewer shootings and 21% fewer killings. Decreases authorities attribute to the hiring of more officers, stronger community policing efforts, and investments in technology, such as gunshot detection systems and predictive crime software to help deploy officers. So life's getting better. Let me skip down to a very uh, telling number right here. The city had 173 shootings last month compared to 245 in April 2017, police said. The number of murders in April dropped from 48 in 2017 to 37 last month. So the numbers are not necessarily overwhelmingly uh, just, just massive, but they are noticeable. They are big. And the numbers they had in Chicago of shootings were just so insane uh, that any decline in the growth is noticeable. And that's what happened here for Chicago uh, violence numbers. We're glad that's happening. We hope they can continue for more and more consecutive months. We continue with the weirdness of the CNN being the sources for the headlines, and we'll discuss that in a 
bit um, to make this work out. Uh, so this headline, Bornstein claims Trump dictated the glowing health letter. We posted this one also on Tuesday, May the 1st. This gives a bump response from the fourth story. Now at the three story, 20.21%. Reading some details from the headline or from the story, I should say. And Dr. Harold Bornstein described in hyperbolic prose, then candidate Donald Trump's health in 2015, the language he used was eerily similar to the style preferred by his patient. It turns out the patient himself wrote it, according to Bornstein. He dictated the whole letter. I didn't write that letter, Bornstein told CNN on Tuesday. I just made up made it up as I went along. The mission is an about face from his answer more than two years ago when the letter was released and answered one of the lingering questions about the last presidential election. The letter thrust the eccentric Bornstein with his shoulder-length hair and round sunglasses into public view. So here's some details from the letter, of course. His physical strength and stamina are extraordinary. If elected, Mr. Trump can state unequivocally he will be the healthiest individual ever elected to the presidency, which, you know, is not exactly what we thought until his current doctor, you know, Ronnie Jackson, said that he could live to be 200. Whether he dictated that, being Trump or not, we don't quite know, but I guess we'll find out sooner or later. Uh, it, uh, hyperbole is a Trump brand. It's what Trump is all about, and he loves talked and being talked about in such language. The problem is truth becomes an issue with all this hyperbole, and that's truth being an issue is kind of a problem. Let's move on to a story posted on Wednesday, May the 2nd. The headline for this one, E. coli outbreak linked to romaine lettuce turns deadly. This one, bumper response from the three, 27.74%. Uh, this one also ironically linked to the CNN website, but on a different day, from the source material. One person has died from E. coli outbreak linked to the romaine lettuce from Yuma, Arizona, growing region the U.S. Centers of Disease Control and Prevention said on Wednesday. The death in California is the first known fatality from this outbreak. The CDC also reported 23 additional cases of illness, bringing a total of 121 since the outbreak began in March. The most recent illness reported began experiencing symptoms April 21st. Symptoms of E. coli begin on average about three to four days after consuming the bacteria. They include severe stomach cramps, diarrhea, and vomiting. Most people recover in five to seven days. Some individuals may develop a type of kidney failure called hermonic uremic syndrome, totally butchered that, which can be life-threatening, although most people recover in a few weeks. So the big romaine lettuce recall is a serious thing. And now we have, since this was posted, once again posted on Wednesday the 2nd, uh, deaths had officially occurred linked directly to this thing. And now we're going to get a little housekeeping in 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 the process of releasing the number one story and talk about some some things because we did have a sort of a a oddity happen. So we can thank the great response that we had this week to a few days worth of stories to you being the best people out there sharing this with people and having more people jump in on the on the conversation. Or maybe it was Russian bots that was trolling the CNN websites because most of these stories with the very, very high response rates came from the CNN website and came from the span of May the 1st through May the 2nd, a two-day span of things where every so often a story would shoot up a, a dramatically. In fact, last week I gave a spoiler that I thought the Kanye dropping the new track was going to be in the top 10 because it came out so hot in the Friday morning early, early states. Tuesday and Wednesday showed a baller 
effect of stories popping up. In fact, the Kanye story didn't even make it into the top 15, or it would have been in the tease. We may get to that and more Kanye stuff in the fill towards the end of the show, if that comes up in the random listing, or it might just throw out there because it's Kanye was interesting this week. However, this story was the top on Twitter, the number one story, the top on Twitter. Uh, it was the top story. Uh, let's start off with a jump from the two to the one. It jumped from there, 70% of engagement. The jump from the number 10 story, which was the Capitals' Tom Wilson beating up folks in the ice in hockey, that jump was 1,395%. I know we have some very large jumps in some things, but this one from the almost relevant story, the 120 story, which we'll talk about in the third segment, the jump in response was literally 61,000. 520% from that story. That many more people engaged in this one. It was very, very, very off the charts for Twitter. In fact, this was a week where the highest ranking Facebook story, even though you add the Twitter and Facebook engagement together, was Shaquem Griffin. And that's basically the only way why it got into the top 10 was because it had such a great Facebook response. It was able to overcome everything else. So what is the story? What is the big thing behind the mystery top story of the week well you or maybe it was the russian trolls wanted to read about another story from cnn.com where humans were in the philippines 700,000 years ago i have no idea why this was a top story but we thank you and we thank the russian bots for proving this was a big story also on cnn.com and this is why we do this in a random style. This is not me picking the stories that I like per se. This is you or the Russian bots doing this thing. Let's read a bit from the actual story. About 709,000 years ago, someone butchered a rhinoceros using stone tools on the Philippine island of Luzon. That may not seem remarkable, except that humans weren't supposed to be in the Philippines so long ago. For the discovery, the earliest indicator that early humans or hominins I don't know if I got that right or not, where even on those islands have been the single foot bone from 67,000 years ago, discovered in Kalo Cave in Luzon. And that's quite a time jump. The research says the new findings push back the date of humans, humans inhabiting the Philippines by hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah, I can do the math on that one. A study published Wednesday in the journal Nature also says that this securely dates evidence pushes back the date of humans living in the wider Southeast Asian in Asian island region. Say that three times fast. So what we found was proof that humans were in the Philippines or in the Asian islands way, way, way much earlier than we believed. As the numbers said, they were looking at a, a bone, foot bone from 67,000 years ago, and now they found proof that 700 years prior to that, uh, 700,000 prior years prior to that, I should say, 700 years is that much time, uh, there actually were humans roaming the earth in the Philippines. Not sure how earth-shattering that is towards your life, but apparently the Russian bots thought it was pretty keen this week. Like I said, some days these things give us things that are so totally predictable. Sometimes we're totally surprised by the outcome. But that is it. Your top story for this week is humans were in Philippines thousands of years before previously thought. Now you know, and of course, knowing is half the battle. Thank you so much for helping us come up with this list of top 10 stories, whether you are a real live person or a uh, piece of software trolling the Internet, trying to uh, you know in infect and just tell us what we need to know. Maybe we need to know more about the Philippines and more about science. Maybe you guys are helping us out, Russian bots. 
Thank you, Russian bots. In the meantime, you can make sure you're actually getting a human vote, more or less, by following us on social media. If you're a Twitter fan, our handle on Twitter is TH underscore conversation. If you're a Facebook user, look for This is a Conversation. Of course, make sure we're set to be in your feed, that you set us as safe. You know, there's a lot of safeguards and things going on these days, but we're always safe. And the sources we use come from legitimate news sources. We do our best to scope them out. You know, sometimes we post a lot of links so they get a little lost, but we don't just post from the random blog posts. We post from real journalism sites uh, when we always can find them and we find the stories that seem to be trending, seem to be important. And you tell us exactly what is going on out there. Coming up in just a bit, we will actually play the brackets game, have a brackets interview with Amber Glaze, Little Rock DJ and all around funny gal here on the Conversations weekly wrap up show for the week ending May the 5th, 2018. I'm Nick. And I'm Justin. We are the Epic Film Guys, and we'd like just a moment of your time to talk about an extremely important event coming up this May. Last year, we hosted the live stream for The Cure, a 12-hour live stream fundraiser where we raised $2,500 for the Cancer Research Institute. 86 cents out of every dollar raised goes to research toward finding a cure. And this year, we're aiming to smash that goal and we need your help to do it. Join us from May 18th through the 20th for 30 hours of amazing live stream content from us and a whole host of amazing podcasters who will be joining us to try to reach $5,000. For more information, please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com. Together, we can make a difference. With all the kerfuffle last week with the White House Correspondents' Dinner and the mixed reviews from Michelle Wolf's performance, I want to get a handle on that, get someone to talk to on this one, and finally got a chance to catch up with Amber Glaze, and I think she's the perfect person on this. And, of course, a chance to play the brackets for the first time in weeks. Amber Glaze is on the radio here, my mark in Little Rock, on 106.7 The Ride, where she does the Hot Mess in the Morning Morning Show. You can catch her there. You can also catch her in the comedy styling she does as she does comedy here locally and going around the region growing on that one. And, of course, just gave birth to a brand-new cute little baby. So that's the really awesome thing about on top of everything else, she has that. So we go into an interview, as we always do, asking the opening question. So when people ask you what it is you do, what do you say? <laughs> um, what do I do? You know what I do? I get to live out my life and be a super awkward dork and embarrass myself for all of Central Arkansas on the radio every morning. Now that sounds like, like a fun gig, but how much work goes into your radio life? Oh, there's a lot more work that goes into it than what people think. You know, they say in any sort of entertainment, you've got to make it look easy. That's the point. And uh, unfortunately, there's a whole lot of work that goes into it behind the scenes. I mean, you know, Luke and I, he's my co-host when we get on air together. Before we ever crack a mic, we've talked about the full week's worth of shows and looked at all the headlines and decided what we're going to talk about that day. And then the fun and the magic happens in between. But you've got a plan. Now, one of the biggest things that was the, the I guess, the draw to you here in town, I'll, I'll say that, is the fact that you were the only uh, DJ with purple hair uh, for the market. And uh, that haircut, <laughs> that, that, and that, that style has changed. Although I think, um, no, it was green, I'm sorry, green hair, and now it's purple. Where does the inspiration for the hair come from? You know what? 
I decided, I think almost three years ago now, I had thought about dyeing the hair green for a long time. And finally, I just thought life is too short to even care. Just have fun with it. And then when I did it, I expected to maybe keep it six months. And here we are three years later. I actually had the green hair for almost two years and then decided to switch it up and try some other colors before I eventually make my way back to green. But it was really just for fun. Okay, so on the really upswing, I want to congratulate you for doing something very awesome. That's, of course, creating a human in the last couple of months. Um, how <laughs> is um, how is motherhood and fatherhood going for the new family? Oh, my gosh. It's a trip, man. It's great. I mean, it's bizarre. You know, you carry this little parasite for nine months and you think uh how am i gonna love this thing at first sight after everything we've been through in the last nine months but i'm telling you as soon as i saw that little face i was done just done he's a doll well that's awesome you've also grown a lot locally and i guess you're going originally now for your comedy we're going to ask a big comedy question to be sort of you know a journalistic in a minute how did you get the idea to jump into stand-up and how is that role going for you right now okay funny thing you had jay jackson on with you not too long ago and jay jackson is the reason i am in stand-up comedy i was actually doing an open mic singing with jay and you know he was talking about a show he had coming up i had no friends in the comedy world at all at that point and i had just enough jameson in me to say oh that's on my bucket list i've always wanted to do that and he put me on the next open mic like four days later So I got up thinking I'm just going to cross this off my bucket list and be done and then fell in love with it. And, you know, it always pushes you. It's just you. It's not the same as doing radio or theater or any other performance art. You get on stage and you either live or die by your own thoughts, your own writing and your own ability to tell a joke. It's terrifying, but man, it's a blast. Now, have you ever had any seriously hostile audiences in your time so far? few Trump jokes here and there that maybe I should have uh, I should have dropped from the set based on audience. But no one has ever really gotten super hostile with me. Now, Trump jokes makes the perfect segue to last weekend. We had the White House Correspondents Dinner and uh, Michelle Wolf, who uh, is now if she wasn't a well-known comedian, she pretty much is now for what turned out to be a unbalanced. Can we say unbalanced performance for um <laughs> For, for the dinner. While there's many issues with the White House Correspondents' Dinner itself, there were, of course, many issues with her act. Some people stood up to defend her because of First Amendment rights, and some people were like, this is horrible. Get her out of here. We're never going to do this again. What was your take on Michelle Wolf and her act for the weekend? I mean, sadly, that's exactly what I'm talking about when I say you live and die by your own writing and your own ability to sell that joke. In the writing process, I think some of those jokes were probably very funny, honestly. But she didn't she didn't tell them well, you know? I mean, I don't know if it was her tone of voice or what it was, but it came across just mean girl. And, I mean, I have real mixed feelings about this because I would really like to say, oh, it's, you know, freedom of speech, let her do her thing, and that's what comedians do. Yes, that is all true. That is what comedians do. We make fun of what is happening in our society at that time. Her job was to make fun of people in the room. That's why they have comedians at the Correspondence Center. She just didn't do it well. Now let's play the brackets game, something that I'm glad we had a chance to have done in a while. Let me give a quick rundown of how this is going to go. I'm going to give to you, Amber Glaze, the ten top ten stories this week, bracket style, two at a time. And since there are ten, you get a chance to eliminate one grouping or go all the way through. Now let's say this right now. 
Since many have asked for cheat sheets in the past, I've started to give out a quick cheat, but you were unable to get that because I screwed up the cheat sheet. Is that correct? <laughs> that is correct, sir. So, so you have I no have idea actually, what's going to happen. No, I am playing the way God intended. That is the way I like it. I have reshuffled all of the stories we had in the last segment, so they're no longer in 1 to 10 order, obviously. And I'm going to give them to you two at a time, and we're going to get down, whittle them down to your top story and give you a couple minutes to talk about that. Are you ready, Amber Glaze? Yes. Okay, first up are the number three and four story this week. And number three is, Bornstein claims Trump dictated the glowing health letter. That's the letter that was originally written while he was a candidate back in 2016 or so that said Trump is awesome, Trump is healthy, but the doctor says that Trump actually wrote it. And Chicago killings and shootings drop for 14 consecutive months. Which of those two stories would you like to move forward? Let's move forward with Chicago. Okay. The next two are the number nine and ten story for this week. Number nine story, Shaquem Griffin drafted by Seahawks becomes first one-handed player picked in NFL draft in modern era. And number ten, Capitals Tom Wilson dials up hate and the hit that breaks jaw of Penguins, Zach Ashton Reese. That's a very bad read, but nonetheless, you can either pick one of the two stories or pass to the next group. Uh, Seahawks. Seahawks. Okay. You a big football fan? I am a massive football fan. I play fantasy football every year. Outstanding. All right, next up are the number one and the number six. Humans were in Philippines thousands of years before previously thought, and playing football young may means earlier cognitive emotional problems. Any of those two, or do you want to pass to the next two? We'll pass. All right, so that means you must take one of the next two groupings because you're down to it's a total of eight. Next one, and number eight, number two. Eight is court upholds Texas law in another big voter ID ruling. And number two, E. coli breakout linked to romaine lettuce turns deadly. E. coli. Going with E. coli. And the number seven and five, number seven, tiger cub abandoned in duffel bag at U.S.-Mexico border. And number five, mass firing at conservative site Red State. Which of those two are we going to take? Oh, tiger. Okay. So now we're going to match up the four and the nine stories. That is the story on Chicago killings dropping 14 consecutive months and the Shaquem Griffin Drafted by the Seahawks. Which one of those two is going forward? Griffin by the Seahawks, There please. we go. Uh, next two are the E. coli breakout versus the Tiger Cub. That's number two and number seven. Which one goes forward? Tiger Cub. And that's finally you get a chance to pick which is going to be your top story for this week. Will it be the drafting of the one-armed man in the NFL or the Tiger Cub that just sort of got left as people were trying to sneak over the border in, from Mexico to the USA? Which one of those stories are we going to pick as the top for the week? We are definitely going to talk about the NFL draft. I had a feeling it was going that route. So <laughs> the quick rundown for the story, Shaquem Griffin was drafted in the fifth round. So he had to wait till Saturday to get the call, but he is drafted by the Seahawks. He was a phenomenal football player. As I said in the last segment, he literally beat LSU by himself. And he, of course, only has one hand in football this season. And, of course, at the draft, they put a special attachment onto a bar so he could lift, do the lifting like everyone else, and outlifted almost everyone in the field. He looks like he has lots of potential, and they're, they're really excited about having him on the team. What say you about Shaquem Griffin joining the Seahawks? Oh, by the way, they drafted his brother last year, so he's going to join up with them next, uh, next season. What do you think about this story? That's what I was going to say. I think it is wicked cool that he is going to be playing on the same team as his brother. I mean, that in and of itself is worth the headline. But then you add in the fact that the guy's got one hand. I mean, it's crazy to me. It's insane. 
he is such an inspiration for so many people right now. And I love that. I love that his story has made such headlines. Okay, with the draft now over, and you say you're a big fantasy football fan, who are you looking forward to seeing play of the new rookies? Other than Griffin, who are you looking to see that got drafted the past weekend? And from there, what team are you going to say? You must put it down right now in May. Which team is winning the Super Bowl? Okay, so I didn't get to follow all of the draft, so I'm not really familiar with what all has happened with the draft. But I will say this, and this takes it a slightly different direction. Uh, Did you hear today that Jason Witten is retiring? I did, yes. He's going straight to the booth. Whoever is going to attempt to fill Jason Witten's shoes in the long run for the Dallas Cowboys tight end position is going to have their hands full. Because that guy has been one of the biggest tight ends, well, in my generation anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, the guy's phenomenal. Now, I personally... I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Oh, wow. You must really hate yourself. I know. I <laughs> don't judge me. So I'm actually really looking forward to see the Chiefs play this year. You know, we keep making it to the playoffs, and we, we keep looking like we're going to do great. We'll win five out of the gate and then lose the next four. I mean, it's such a roller coaster, as with any team, really, unless you're a Patriots fan. But I'm just I'm really looking forward to the entire season. And very quickly on the Tony Romo non-controversy, is he the best guy in the booth after being a mediocre quarterback, yay or nay? I'm going to go with nay. Nay? Was he not a mediocre quarterback or was he not a good guy in the booth? I think he was a mediocre quarterback, and I think for some reason, maybe just because he's kind of pretty, he uh, <laughs> he made the booth. I think there are more qualified people to fill his, his shoes in both areas, quite frankly. Not a problem. Well, we thank you for being qualified to do so many things and just being with us, letting us have a chance to hear the, there's a human there making more noise in the background. Um, yeah, there is a human in here. He's looking at his puppet at the moment. So thank you so much for joining us. Let people know how they can find you in and maybe around Little Rock, and if they're outside of the market, how can he grab you from there? Okay, well, look for the girl with brightly colored hair. At the moment, it is actually fuchsia. I just changed it from purple. So if you see a girl with bright pink hair, that's probably me. Also, you can find me on social media at funnygirlglaze, G-L-A-Z-E, like the donut. That is my Instagram and Twitter handle. And from there, you know, obviously you can find me on Facebook and all over. Amber Glaze, who does morning radio here in Little Rock on the competition. So um, a little bit of a (laughs) tussle there. Yeah, that's right. You can also listen to me every weekday morning from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Ride. You could. Or you couldn't. You you could choose that route. If you really <laughs> wanted to go that route, but there's 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 other opportunities. Just just something to throw it out there. Amber, thank you so much for playing with us uh, and playing my little silly game. And thank you for giving me a chance to do the interview, which you hadn't done in a while. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Quick word about FreshBooks, which is cloud accounting software, and it's so simple because it simply works. It's all you need to know. It works. It takes care of all your small business accounting. It makes it easy, simple, painless is the word they like to tell you. Now, if you're a guy like me who does all their accounting by writing things on Post-it notes and scattering them around the room, then FreshBooks might be the solution you need to get everything set up. It is easy to use, easy to set up, very powerful features, and, of course, organized in the cloud so you can use it anywhere and it's a great thing to have for people who want to say there are business people and people who really are running actual businesses it may turn you into a real business person check it out through us we have a great deal for you by going to 
This is a conversation.com slash FreshBooks. This is a conversation.com slash FreshBooks. Check it out. Click the link and see if FreshBooks is the cloud computing software that you need to get your accounting finally in order. Extra special thanks this week for Amber Glaze, who came in to help us play the brackets one time again, make it feel like home again. We'll see if we can get more interviews scheduled in the near future and get it back on track for a regular spot. Quick thanks going out to two people. One on Facebook, that's Daniel Williams. Also on Twitter, uh, at Sin Willem, who are people who contributed by by talking, giving us some comments to feedback to various links we had on the week on the social media. Of course, follow us on Facebook at This Is A Conversation and on Twitter, TH underscore conversation, to make sure your voice is heard in the final countdown. Of course, we ask you to share this podcast with friends, families, neighbors, and random strangers so we get as many people in on this thing. And I say many thanks, but we're shortly, quickly running out of time this week. So let's get into the wrap-up with the almost irrelevant story this week. That is story number 120 by the count. 120 specific uh, stories had this week. And this one Headline is tech companies not hiring blacks despite ownership ranks very quickly. The deal on this is because black people, African-Americans, have a large amount of ownership of devices and tech. There is a weird disparity of blacks, African-Americans in the world of technology and startups and the people who make the apps and the devices. Something that's not necessarily surprising but also something that is hard to seemingly fix, getting a real balance in diversity. Well, diversity is a big buzzword these days. Diversity in the tech sector is something that's always hard to do. Let's get in the wrap-up of the final uh, five, that is 11 through 15, quickly on the headlines. Burning Man co-founder Harvey Larry Harvey dies at age 70. That is number 11 this week. Russ Brand resigns from Bill Sabres after internal investigation. That was a weird one that we didn't expect to get in there, but a lot of a lot of hockey-ish things popping up. And Russ Brandon, who, of course, an executive for the Bills and the Sabres in Buffalo, of course, now no longer with a job, dropping his role for some really bad behavior. We also had the Mr. Relevant. One more story from the NFL draft. Former SMU receiver Trey Quinn picked by the Washington Redskins as the final pick in the draft. They call him Mr. Irrelevant because of that. Uh, normally, they don't have a big career, but they did get a chance to get signed. We'll see if this happens. Every so often, uh, Mr. Irrelevant comes out to be pretty big. We'll see if this happens for this young man. Boy Scouts announced this week they're dropping the word boy. They'll be called Scouts BSA. And they're going to allow girls officially into the group. And that's going to be a change dynamic. A lot of people definitely up in arms about the change. We'll see how it actually works out in the long run. Number 15 story, the headline, National Guard plane crashes near Savannah Airport. A big breaking news story happening earlier in the week. Wednesday is when we posted this one. Uh, that took a little time off the Chiron from all the Trump craziness. But that rounds out the top 15 stories for this week. And with time remaining, we'll go through a couple headlines that we have left over. Actually, we'll talk about Kanye real quick. Kanye did not make it into the top 10 as I expected. He dropped a new single this week with T.I. Uh, we all believe sort of his I Love Trump talk was sort of a weird ish sales pitch, and it still may be. And then he went on TMZ Live and continued the rattling of nonsense in the most part, including the now infamous 
300-year slave choice thing, basically saying if black people didn't want to be slaves for 300 years, they had all that time to figure out how to not be slaves. As if, you know, we were really slaves. It was like it was really like our choice. We weren't held there against our will. And it was a systematic. Uh, well, anyway, Kanye m- might actually be crazy. So that, of course, caused plenty of backlash, plenty of hate and plenty more talk about Kanye being stuck in the sunken place. And if you all don't know where that is, you need to go see Get Out. It's one of the greatest movies ever. And it's misqualified as a horror movie. It probably really is a documentary uh, at this point. And time to pull a few random headlines while we have literally seconds left on the clock. Uh, the Clinton nonprofit won't let a donor cancel his $10.48 monthly contribution, you know, because they want their money. Also, Hawaii's Kilalalu volcano, shouldn't have picked that one, is prompting mandatory evacuation because it's currently erupting right now. This is a real emergency happening for Hawaii. North Korea reportedly hands Trump another big win by releasing the U.S. prisoners. Now, this is still in dispute, but apparently Rudy Giuliani said that the prisoners from North Korea will be handed over sometime before the actual summit with North Korea, and that should be happening in the next few weeks or so. That hasn't quite happened yet. We shall see. We shall see. Mean Girls and SpongeBob lead the Tony nominations, while Harry Potter is dominated in categories. So the stories that you know and love as a child are now on Broadway, and believe it or not, John Legend wrote the music for SpongeBob SquarePants. His wife had no idea. God of War sells 3.1 million copies in three days. Is PS4's fastest-selling exclusive by a mile. So video games are really a big deal. And very quickly, the black men arrested at Starbucks settle for $200,000 in programs for schools and $1 each. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. We love having all the comments, all the feedback, and all the love from what's going on. So as we say, share it with a friend, share it with an enemy, share it with random strangers so we have more people in the conversation. This is the part why I say thank you a few times. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Come back next week for more of the weekly wrap-up from thisistheconversation.com. <laughs>